Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune, May the 6th, 2017. Oh my goodness, I thought last week's program was off the charts. Ladies and gentlemen, there's been so much happen in the past week uh, that definitely needs to be addressed. It's just off the charts. First and foremost, I want to thank all of the listeners Last week's broadcast, last time I checked, was earlier this morning. 27,303 listens on that last episode, not including however many listened today. So I do uh, want to thank you all for that. Uh, It's greatly appreciated. I will also address a smaller issue here just for a second. I published some timelines this week, and I thought that they were only going to a sister of mine. However, that somehow got to Facebook, and all of a sudden I started getting massive response from that. So I may in the future uh, decide to address that particular topic. Um, I do appreciate all the correspondence that I got, especially from the British uh, brothers. Uh, Oh, my goodness. Um, They were rather excited uh, to look at those timelines. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's let's just talk about this right out of the gates. This week, North Korea threatened Israel with merciless thousand-fold punishment. Who saw this coming? I didn't hear Clinton talk about it last week. I didn't hear Brian talk about it last week, and I know I sure didn't talk about it last week because how could that have been calculated out? Who saw that coming? Why on earth would North Korea threaten to obliterate Israel? Absolutely off the charts, ladies and gentlemen. Let me ask you this. New revelations about Iran's nuclear activities. This was published in the Huffington Post. Critical information about Iran's nuclear activities is disclosed by the opposition National Council for Resistance of Iran, acronymed NCRI. U.S. President Donald Trump followed up by stating Tehran is not living up to the spirit of the agreement. Michael Anton, a spokesman for the White House National Security Council, said his colleagues are carefully evaluating the NCRI information. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't see this coming, oh my goodness. Do yourself a favor and do a scan for this organization in the news, and you're going to see them gathered by the thousands. Now, I appreciate 
the pictography that we were given around the inauguration uh, of President uh, Obama and the inauguration of Donald Trump. Ladies and gentlemen, there was nobody there. But when you go to the tomb of Cyrus, you can literally in the videos not see the end to the crowd. Now look, ladies and gentlemen. Russia just declared that there's no fly zones in conjunction with Turkey and Syria. U.S. is not supposed to be flying over uh, these zones. If you can't see this coming, you really don't know what we've done in the past. Ladies and gentlemen, I am sure that a whole lot more is going on between the White House National Security Council and the National Council for Resistance of Iran. Ladies and gentlemen, what do we always do? We fund the opposition, then we give them weapons. But oh, I don't think you see this coming. This is part and parcel with the Baha faith. They see, of course, Cyrus the Great as a messiah. One thing catches my attention about them. They love to riddle. Let me read just a small diatribe about one of the points of this faith. The symbols of the religion are derived from the Arabic word Baha, which is splendor or glory, with a numerical value of nine, which is why the most common symbol is a nine-pointed star, a ringstone symbol and calligraphy of the greatest name are also often encountered. The former consists of two five-pointed stars interspaced with a stylized Baha whose shape is reminiscent to recall onenesses. While the latter is a calligraphic rendering of the phrase Yabohula a Baha or O Glory of the most glorious. The five-pointed star is a symbol of the Baha faith. In the Baha faith, the star is known as the Hakta, or the temple, and is initiated and established by the Bab. The Bab and the Baha Hula wrote various works in the form of the pentagram. I'm sure you all took note. Well, what does that mean, the greatest name? Well, they believe that God has 99 names. This one is special. Ladies and gentlemen, the official stance of this religion is that of alphanumerics and symbolic. And if you can't see that we've probably already given them funding and weapons, well, I think you really don't understand the various departments of the United States government, especially those that control the information. So ladies and gentlemen, you might want to consider what is going on. This is off the charts. Everything that's happened this week, we need to get to all of this information quite simply as quickly as possible.
With that in mind, get your trays to the upright positions, ladies and gentlemen, and get those seat belts fastened. We, your host, Clinton Co-Watch, Brian Ingram, and Matthew Miller, have oiled the saddles, the steeds, are digging at the dirt, just itching to ride for glory. Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie. Let's ride.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's let's just get this show on the road to talk about. Both of your mics are unmuted, so whichever one feels led to jump in here first, jump in here and say hello and give give your opening comments about the news this week because I don't even know. I mean, I thought last week was bad, guys. I really did, but things happened this week that I never saw coming at all. So one of you just jump right in here and take off. Let's let's just discuss this for a minute before we get to the individual news coverage, please. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. It's it's crazy all the developments that are happening. Um, and, and exactly right. We, we thought last week was crazy, and then uh, every single day something else comes out. Uh, this development between North Korea and Israel is very disturbing, especially with the remarks that North Korea made towards Israel and uh, the, their nukes that no one really talks about or really even acknowledges they have, but everyone knows they have. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays into uh, the developments that happen uh, with with everything with Donald Trump talking about uh, making peace in the Middle East and uh, uh, trying to do that relatively quickly. So it's going to be very interesting to see how things lay out. So, Brian, what say you? <coughs> well, let's see. I almost uh, wish we had that entire conversation from last night recorded, Matthew, as everything we I sat do. down and kind of looked over has been just unbelievable here but nonetheless the work i did here in the background today prior to the show has just absolutely amplified it here folks you know we have so many developments that are going on on the ground in a multitude of places right now um this entire week was essentially well we started out the week first off with the mayday protests and i spent a lot of time making sure that i got all that information out there on my uh the Bands of Time Twitter account basically documenting where all these major protests broke out, folks. And that right away, that was the start of our week as of Monday morning. You know, and obviously into Sunday night, depending on where the sun came up. This is worldwide. There was violence breaking out. There were people hurt, uh, policemen hurt, etc. And it was bad news all across the world. As we slowly move forward into the week, we had what we would consider probably, um, well, the atypical many kings sitting down at the same table and playing a very major game at this stage. This has gotten to the point where it's just absolutely ridiculous, and it just continues to escalate. I had to pace myself with news throughout the week because I had a lot of other work going on at the same time. I'd let the news sit for about a day or two days, come back to it, and just major, major things being announced all throughout the week with all these different meetings. We had Erdogan. He jumped into India, went to Pakistan. I'm not certain if he got into Afghanistan, but I know he had his meetings the next day with Russia. We had the Astana Meetings, we had Trump meeting with, I believe he met with Abbas already, or if that's next, I can't recall offhand, but nonetheless, already met with the Arabs. We have mega developments on the ground in Iran, just as Matthew brought up. And folks, this so well, 
It's one belt, one road. It's major. Go ahead. Oh, it's it's absolutely major. Absolutely major. Uh, by the way, I did record that last night, and I wanted to ask you a question. I got got some major uh, correspondence this morning, um, and I know that was a private conversation that we held. The simple fact that Matthew 24 defines very clearly the differentiation between what's going to happen, who it's going to happen to in Matthew 24. And I was just sitting there thinking to myself, well, how on earth did they hear that? Because they said they'd listen to it. And uh, well, maybe Brian got it out there to one of the one of those private boards. I, I don't know. So I was kind of confused uh, about it. So I decided to uh, today's break is going to be a special Johnny Cash edition of Matthew 24. Um, so that's not the only conversation I had this week. I mean, me and Brian talk usually every morning. He consults me about what he found first thing in the morning. But I also talked with Clinton this week. I, I saw something that bothered me, and then I checked it again before tonight's broadcast. And there is all kinds of what is called insider selling going on. I mean all kinds of it, and I'm not quite sure what that means. But I have a feeling it's not good uh, when CEOs begin to sell stock in their own company. They obviously know something's going on, and then all of a sudden, uh, boom, I'm not even paying attention to oil. And then all of a sudden, uh, I guess yesterday it went all the way down to uh, $44.30 at one point, uh, or maybe it was, was Thursday. It was either Thursday or Friday. So I'm kind of eager to get that gist from Clinton. But ladies and gentlemen, you should know about that group that I mentioned that gathered there at Cybers' tomb. We have told you about the rise of exactly what God says. And these people are gathered together. Of course we're going to fund them. It's the only way to stop one road. We got together on air. We explained it to Brian and I. I know we did the simple fact that, well, the shortcut, if you want to make this one belt, one road into a figure eight, because it goes south of the Caucasus, dry up the river Euphrates, and it would create the perfect figure eight. It's the perfect halfway point for the one belt, one road. Ladies and gentlemen, I strongly suggest you look at this because you need to look at the maps. Brian and I looked at another one last night, and I was popping them off. Is this railway done? Is that – this should bother you, ladies and gentlemen. There is no airport involved. Now, what's the first thing that sticks out about airports? Ladies and gentlemen, you must speak English plane. You must. Oh, you didn't know that? Yes. Doesn't matter if you're German, if you're Saudi, if you're Iranian. That's right. You have to speak English. It's not coming to Mundus Novus. This one belt, one road 
is not going to cross either the Atlantic or the Pacific. We're not included. Ladies and gentlemen, that only means one thing. They do not need our currency either. They do not need our language, nor do they need our currency. I've probably babbled on too long again. Uh, Clinton, jump right in here and uh, cover whatever news you wanted to. Um, I know that you did a podcast this week, and I think I got it within minutes. Uh, I listened to uh, your latest one. So I know you've got a lot to cover, so just jump right in here, in here and get right at it, uh, Clinton. Yeah, not a problem. I, I, I want to take a little bit of a, a twist on things. Um, a lot of times in, in Scripture we're, we're talking about actual events, um, but, but one that kind of develops over time um, is this notion of fear. Um, it, it talks about that the fear will get so bad that men's hearts will fail them for fear of what is coming. And, and we always think of just the, the last part of it. We don't think of the buildup to that point and, and how fear is going to be built to, to the point that is going to cause massive heart attacks, in other words. Um, but we see that. And Brian touched on you know, the protests up in Portland. Um, and, and the massive unrest that's happening there. We've seen the massive unrest in Berkeley. We've seen it in Ferguson. We, we've, we see massive unrest going on in Venezuela. And we see fear is, is taking control. Um, and it's taking control on, on so many different avenues. I mean, we, we have a story that broke out of Texas where, um, you know, a young teenager wanted to go to a house party and he doesn't drink. He's a straight A student, plays football. Um, and uh, he goes to show up to the party and didn't even get out of the car and there was a gunshot, so they start to drive away. Well, the, the cops, unfortunately, got scared. They, they were afraid. And so they saw a car pulling away as soon as the gun starts shooting and they shot and uh, shot this young man in the back of the head. Um, the, to make things worse, the, this, this young man was black and the officer was white. So we have this polarization that's starting to develop, and it's, it's getting worse and worse and worse. The last thing that we need is another story of a shooting um, against helpless people. And, but this is the notion of fear, and, and unfortunately, this is going to build, and this is going to extend itself um, in all facets of our society. And, and we can see that happening, and, and you can see it happening with this new health care bill. Um, they, they, they had one congressman since the vote who had a, a town hall and they said 175 people jammed into this town hall, all enraged about this healthcare bill that, that was passed. And it, and it, if you look at the healthcare bill, it does not make sense. Um, it, it's, it's taken healthcare away from the, the elderly. It's taken away from the sick. It's taken away from people that have preexisting conditions. And then we're also told that it's going to drop the, the cost. Well, that doesn't make any sense uh, on the, the surface, but when you start digging down into it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, the whole notion of follow the money, um, when you look into how the insurance industry is set up, is for every person they insure, they have to keep a reserve amount in the bank. So, you know, if you have a thousand people you insure and you say you have to keep $500 in the bank for every thousand, you know, for every person, you know, it's 500 times a thousand, and that's how much you have to keep in the bank. Well, if you have that money already in the bank, and you want to decrease 
to say 500 people you insure, all of a sudden you don't have to keep all the rest of that money in the bank and you can pull it out and uh, get bonuses, you know, or buy trips or whatever the company wants to do with that extra money. So when you look at this healthcare plan that's coming out, it's a massive money grab. What's, what's going to happen is basically people that are healthy, uh, 20-sums, 30-sums, those are the people they want to keep in the healthcare system. They're going to be the people that pay the premiums, but don't ever have a claim to take any money out. So the corporations, the insurance companies are going to make it to where they're going to have lots of money coming in and less money they're going to be paying out with this healthcare system. Well, it's also going to make it so their reserves drop substantially, leaving that extra money to do as they choose. Now, when you take this into effect with, uh, say, the Real ID Act that was signed in 2004 by Bush Jr., um, and you can see its implementation is starting to unfold. Uh, for instance, in the state of Minnesota, uh, they had issues that Minnesota was going to take a firm stance and was not going to accept the Real ID Act. They were not going to have, in an essence, a national ID card. Um, and the federal government said, okay, we're going to withhold your funding. And they said, fine, that's fine. Ultimately, they made it to where in the state of Minnesota, you were not going to be able to fly out without a passport. They were not going to accept the Minnesota ID. Um, they have negotiated to extend this till June. Um, after that point, Minnesota is supposed to be compliant with the Real ID, same with every other state. Now, the, the catch to this Real ID Act is um, inside of it, it talks about that this card or whatever they decide to do has to have some kind of biometrics on it. Um, so basically, it has to have, you know, fingerprint, DNA, retinal scan, something. Um, but it leaves it up to the interpretation of the Secretary of State um, on, actually, the Attorney General, sorry, um, on who is going to, like, if it's going to be on a card or if it's going to be implanted. And it specifically says that. Um, so that basically means that this is going to be left up to, once it's implemented, up to Jeff Sessions to determine if it's going to be in card form or if it's going to be in implementation form. Now, combine that with the healthcare system, you're going to have a massive population that does not accept the healthcare system, that can't afford it because, well, if you're 65 and living on Social Security and you rely on Medicaid, they're, they're cutting Medicaid substantially. So a lot of these people are not going to be able to afford to have their prescription drugs or have their, their healthcare, which means you're going to have a massive population that is uninsured, which is means having insurance is going to be a luxury. And so you can kind of see how the system is being built. You're going to have a, a national ID card that basically shows your alliance to your government um, mixed with a healthcare system that only certain individuals actually can afford or have um, combined with a government that uh, is designed to shut down. And, and the reason that I say it's designed to shut down is even Donald Trump came out and said that what, the, what we really need to do is just shut everything down in September uh, so we can fix everything. And he actually came out and said to shut down the government is the best solution. Now, I, I don't know if many of you realize this, but we haven't actually passed a budget in a year. Um, back in October, which is the beginning of the fiscal year of 2016, 
Obama made a, an agreement to let the new administration come up with, uh, uh, you know, raising the debt ceiling, come up with the budget. And instead of coming up with the budget, they just added $1.1 trillion to it and then kicked it down the curb to the next fiscal year, which is October 1st. So we have the fiscal year ending. We have an entire year that we did not do a budget. And then we have the president of the United States saying that right at that time, it makes sense just to shut everything down. So where does this lead us? Well, not, not good. Not good. Um, for instance, I, I just want to kind of, uh, the, the, the only way that I can really explain this is, to, is just to read a little bit to you and try to translate what they're saying. And it says on here, a government shutdown and a debt default are two very different things with different uh, consequences. And this is our CNN money. Uh, a default is far worse, though, because the U.S. debt is considered a safe and the safest investment in the world. Missing any payments due to, you know, first to the bondholders, then to everyone else, say like federal contractors, Social Security beneficiaries, soldiers, would risk the market and economic crisis. So basically, in a world where no one knows where to put their money, <clears throat> the safest place to put their money is in treasury bonds with the United States. Um, now we have an issue where that's not guaranteed. The debt selling is currently set at $19.8 trillion. Debt levels are near that cap, and Treasury has begun using special accounting measures to keep the outstanding debt below that mint, which basically means they're kind of manipulating the numbers to hit what they want, which is no surprise. I mean, if you, I even saw an article that was talking about how Donald Trump is managing the economy with precise precision. And if you look at it from a, a number standpoint, yeah, things are you know, looking really good. I mean, we have 4.4% on unemployment. When you actually dig into how that number is calculated, you realize it's, it's actually make-believe. Um, how the number is calculated is that they only take in consideration those that are collecting unemployment benefits. Unemployment benefits wear out. So if you don't have a job at the end of your benefits, then they wear out. You still don't have a job, but you're not counted in that number. Well, that is why if you look at the graph, the number constantly goes down because it's designed to do that. It's designed to weed people up. It doesn't take any consideration the unemployed people out there. It just takes in consideration the amount of money the government is paying and how many people benefit from that. So it's completely make-believe. When you talk with oil, the, the issue is not the drilling of oil. There's a plethora of oil that's being drilled. The problem is the refinery of the oil. We have... You know, for instance, we'll take, you know, the auto industry. You have oil that has been moved from conventional to either a full synthetic or semi-synthetic. Well, that oil has to be refined at refineries. Otherwise, they cannot sell it. There's a massive backlog at the refineries because they're producing oil so fast that they cannot refine it. We just sold, we, I mean, the United States of America, just sold the largest oil refinery in the country to Saudi Arabia. So the cash cow of the oil industry is the refining business, and we just sold that to the bank, which is Saudi Arabia. So you can kind of put two and two together. But to continue on with this, basically what they end up talking about is this year's Republicans also want to uh, include a so-called reconciliation instruction that would allow them to let 
that would let them pass tax legislation with a simple majority of the Senate uh, instead of a typical 60 vote required. That way, um, if they can't garner Democratic support, the 52 Republicans in the Senate can pass the bill on their own. The budget resolution also could include a decision to raise or suspend the debt ceiling. That would be the easiest path. Now, basically what they're saying right there is this debt ceiling that they haven't agreed upon in a year that they're coming up upon in September, that they're talking about just shutting down the government if they don't get their way. They are going to do, in an essence, like a nuclear option to change the rules so that way they can pass the bill outside of the parameters that the United States has used for the last 275 years. Why? Are we in that much distress that we need to pass something that's going to hurt everyone? Um, I mean, if you look at this tax plan, we know that the only reason is just to allow money to go back to the corporations, allow money overseas to come into the United States. We talked about that last week. Now we have the health care bill to allow insurance companies to tap into the reserves to get that money out so that way they can make a system that's going to be very lucrative and they're going to make lots of money. And they're talking about changing the laws, changing the rules, so they can pass whatever they want. So you see how it's being laid out. And it's, it's very kind of scary to understand when you, when you look at what the full direction is. And, and I guess one example that I can give to show the full direction of what they're doing with this economy um, is the January cover and this is January 1988 cover of The Economist, says it all. On this cover, and The, the Economist magazine is a highly regarded magazine about economics and business. Um, a large portion of it is owned by the Rothschilds, um, which is a very powerful banking family that can trace their roots, some say, all the way back to the Knights Templar. Um, in The uh, Economist, most recently in 2015, 16, and 17, uh, the covers that they have presented um, some say have signals that are being shown on what is actually going to develop. Um, the cover that was on January 1988, uh, the title of it said, get ready for a one world currency. In the cover, it, talked to, it has a picture of a phoenix, which is a mythical creature that uh, when it dies, it bursts into flames and then turns to ash. And out of the ash, it is reborn. A lot of people say the, the phoenix is a symbol that the you know, Illuminati or the deep state or whatever you know, people want to call it, that is a symbol of them. And that's why it's kind of ironic that on The Economist magazine, they have this figure of the phoenix. Now, at the phoenix feet is all of the world's currencies, the dollar, the yen, the ruple, whatever currency you can think of, at his feet on fire burning up, being destroyed. And around its neck is a medallion. And it has on there what looks like a new currency with the date of 2018. So in January of 1988, 30 years ago, the economists foretold that they would be ushering in a one world currency in the year of 2018. If they continue down this plan where they are just going to suspend the debt ceiling 
and approve whatever budget the Republicans or Donald Trump or whatever he wants to approve, they are going to usher in massive, massive money into the system. And the reason I say this is that the plan wants, the, the administration wants to build a wall, which is going to cost billions of dollars, wants to build bridges and, and roads, which is going to cost billions of dollars, it's going to you redo a healthcare plan, we're going to uh, staff all these people, you know, for ICE and immigration, and we're going to deport all these people, and we've got to have a place to store them and house them. Plus, we got to, you know, fix who, whatever else he wants to do. Plus, the, the tax breaks, which the healthcare bill is going to give a, a trillion dollars in tax breaks to the rich. Plus, the, the tax break that we have, which we know is going to add another seven to eight trillion dollars to the deficit. They are just going to push this over the cliff. They're going to add so much debt to the United States that we're already beyond the point of return, but this is just going to make it to where it's, it's going to cause the dollar to disintegrate. It's going to cause hyperinflation to the likes of what's going on in Venezuela. And you can see what's going on in Venezuela where they have massive riots and, the, and people are dying in the streets. So it's going to be very scary how this, this develops out here. Now, to talk about what you know, Matthew brought up earlier about this insider trading, um, it's, it's becoming pretty rampant. Uh, we have numerous executives that are selling their, uh, their stock. And, and the reason that this is interesting is because companies have been repurchasing their stock for quite a while now, repurchasing their stock to bring the value up because you keep demand high when people are constantly buying their stock. So they're using company assets and company money to purchase stock. And then on the back end, they're selling their own. So, you know, the old adage, you, you sell high and you buy low. Well, that's exactly what these executives are doing is they purchase the stock to add value to it. They're going to sell it right before they anticipate it going down because they're going to have their company stop purchasing stock. We have, we, we know that this is going to go down in, in numerous, numerous ways. Unless they can push through this tax bill. If they push through this tax bill and all this money from overseas comes in, then we're going to see the Dow go to astronomical rates. And, and the Dow is the, I guess, the greatest illusion that you could say. Um, most people kind of gauge the strength of the economy off of the Dow, but that's not the case. It's, it's, it's not true. When, when you look at the actual indicators, they haven't, you know, they're not working correctly with the Dow, so it makes it very interesting. But the, with these executives selling their stock, it's, it's just a way for them to do an, uh, an individual money grab along with the rest of the system that's being put in place. And then finally, you know, before I take up too much of the time here, but um, we have Puerto Rico who recently filed for bankruptcy. Now, the interesting thing about Puerto Rico is we, they, they have been a territory of the United States for quite some time. Um, I think it was last election cycle or the one before that, Puerto Rico actually voted to become a state in the United States. And the United States was supposed to honor that vote. They were supposed to let Puerto Rico in the country. But they never did. So now Puerto Rico has been trying to, you know, renegotiate this, this $70 billion debt that they have. Um, for instance, when Detroit filed for bankruptcy, they only had $18 billion in debt. And the government was able to help them. But Donald Trump's already made it known that we are not going to help Puerto Rico. That we are not going to help them that they are not a state. So we have an island 
that has been in an economic recession for a decade, that is having a hard time importing products, is having massive amounts of people leave to the point that only the poor people are going to be left with no resources. And if we don't help them, what kind of avenue do they have to, to survive? I mean, this is going to be just uh, a crisis on a, on a scale that we've never seen. I mean, these poor people, they, it's not like they can drive over the state border. They, they're stuck on an island. You know, I mean, what, I don't even know if they have coconuts, but once the coconuts run out, there's not really a lot of options. You know, so it's going to be very interesting to kind of see how things develop. Um, but this is just one adage to the whole system. And, you know, it's just, it's just making it very, very um, transparent to see exactly the direction that everything is headed. Um, so I, I'm kind of interested to hear you guys' comments on some of that stuff as well. Disturbing? That's an understatement. Um, my, this is the what I got the feeling about this debt ceiling. The more you talked about it, the more I realized that, well, ladies and gentlemen, they keep kicking it, they keep kicking this can down the road using Clinton's vernacular there. That's two or three times I've heard him say that over the past couple of episodes in relation to this debt ceiling. This must have everybody mad. Okay? Everyone who runs this institution, uh, ladies and gentlemen, they must be furious that you even know that the government even has to pass a debt ceiling. That must have these bankers furious. And as Clinton was talking, it occurred to me that, well, I don't see even why we have one. They're just going to raise it. Now, in order to do that, I think you would have to be really scared that fear element that Clinton was talking about. We'll just have POTUS come out and say, let's just shut it down. Oh, you ain't going to shut it down. Ladies and gentlemen, how many people in Chicago do you think their only means of sustenance is food stamps? How many people in Chicago do you think their only means of housing is from HUD? I assure you, you shut it down, and Chicago will burn. I mean, surely everyone has learned about what happened with Hurricane Katrina, with the riots in California. So it's quite obvious that this whole situation is ticking off uh, the people who run this country, which are the bankers. I mean, I don't see why we have this as an issue. We know they're, they're going to raise it. But like I said, you would have to predicate that with a threat based on fear. I mean, this is the obvious solution. I mean, hasn't the debt doubled since the prior POTUS? I mean, just print it. It's what you're going to do. I mean, even insinuating that the American people has a say in it's a joke. That's a joke. 
I don't like my intelligence being insulted. It wouldn't surprise me if this goes out of the news feed, and all of a sudden we just don't have a debt ceiling. Just It's really the only thing that can save it now. But other things are bothering me here, you know, along those lines. Why on earth would we sell who, how, how is it legal for somebody to sell the Saudis one of our refineries? And who lives in the closest municipality to that? Refinery. They should go take it. Wh- whoever that is. It's on their land. It's theirs. It's nobody else's. But this week something else got my attention with cryptocurrencies. Ladies and gentlemen, I just talked about this. All of a sudden we have um, Tim Draper uh, coming out. This was in uh, Reuters, May 5th. But all of a sudden, he's backing a Tezos as a cryptocurrency. First thing that got my attention, well, who is that? Who's Tezos? So you do some research, and that's not what they're noted for. As chronicled uh, by Don Tapscott, uh, he wrote a book last year. Blockchain Revolution, how the technology behind Bitcoin is changing money, business, and the world, he documented that Tezos' specialty was decentralized voting machines. You go over to their website. You riddle it. This is, this is how their history starts out. Work on Tezos began by its founding development team whose academic experience spans from philosophy to physics, mathematics, computer science, along with professional experience that includes positions at Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, the Wall Street Journal. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, You better fear the kings of the east because they're getting ready to assemble the one belt, one road, and this is probably what they're going to do. And if you don't see it coming, I don't know how to even address that. I don't even know how to address that. So… With that in mind, this this entire – how do you even call this nightmare that we have going on with the United States government printing endless, endless, endless money? Uh, there's no getting out of it now. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, just forget the present POTUS. The last POTUS, he personally doubled the debt. There's no way we can make interest payments, ladies and gentlemen. There's no way. 
I mean, we just made a major deal with the Saudis uh, to provide them with uh, military equipment. Really? You know what I heard Clinton say? They got their cake and ate it too. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, surely you're not that blind. So they're getting one of our oil refineries and our weapons. Really? They literally got their cake and ate it too. And this is going somewhere not very pleasant. It can't. You cannot equalize this equation, ladies and gentlemen. You can't equalize this equation. No matter what you do, we come up lacking the American people. There's no way around it. You know, the Lord God of heaven puts into the hearts of the ten kings to burn. Seems like to me that's already in the works. Bri, what's your thoughts on that, buddy, before uh, we head to break? Clinton talked about a lot, but that was just my gut feeling that I got out of it, Brian. Uh, why do we have a debt ceiling? Just just don't tell the American people anymore. Just just print it. You, that, that's what you do anyway. Just print to infinity and beyond. I mean, we can't stop you. I'm sorry, Brian. Jump in here. Give your thoughts, please. Well, that's a direct thing. I mean, how many uh, events do we see concerning the economy alone this week? You know, we had the uh, – they finally signed into effect the new spending bill, which who knows what's on that at this point. Uh, Trump finally um, put it in so that he wouldn't be able to throw his uh, fit by jumping down on the ground and, you know, doing what he threatened to do in September, close the government completely down. So uh, and then start changing Senate laws so that they had basically no, uh, you know, let's just start breaking the Constitution and all the other laws and do what we want. And he's been basically threatening to do it on a continual basis here. We had the health care bill, which made it through the House and it hasn't hit the Senate yet. Sorry, folks, you might want to look into some of the things that have come out concerning what they've done with this health care bill, because they've done exactly what he's been doing this entire time. They are making basically all the corporate people richer than rich can be and just continuing to do this on an escalating basis. And they are going to love bankrupting you through um, the health care bill alone. Let's see, on top of it, while he was having his meetings with the Arabians, sold them billions upon billions of dollars in American-made weapons from American companies who are basically the main lobbying factors to put crusaders in office. And so what did they do, folks? The stock shot up immediately once the announcement was made. Once again, doing what? Petting the pockets of the rich. He also has basically put into effect the executive order separating church and state. Now you can lobby and you can push politicians from the pulpit and not break your money laundering scheme, 501c3, and get away with it. 
So now they keep, you know, they keep playing this along into a nice place. You know, folks, think back. I warned quite some time back. You better figure out what a theocracy is. If you want to understand it, you might want to go look at Mussolini. They've done this in broad daylight, and they're absolutely, completely getting away with it. And it's absolutely ridiculous at this stage. I... Oh, oh, my goodness, Brian. You just confused them. They don't know anything about Mussolini and what he did, <laughs> and that's funny. But on a lighter note, uh, I'm going to put this to Clinton. All right, use of the IRS system, okay, because the IRS is actually an answer to the equation that Clinton was talking about earlier. Let me ask Clinton this question. Quentin, do you know if the tax receipts for businesses here in 2017, have they gone up or down? Well, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure. I know a lot of businesses were talking about uh, making sure that they had all of their um, assets accounted for going into this year uh, because they knew there was going to be tax reform, and they didn't necessarily know exactly how it's going to be. Um, so I, I'm not sure how that's working out, but I know that they had to extend the personal tax deadline because they were having lots of people that uh, believed that they did not need to pay taxes. So the tax revenue was going to go down just on that sheer fact there. Um, you know, the, the whole tax system with the IRS, uh, unfortunately, uh, that, that's kind of just leading to more of this uh, system where I think they're going to use that um, as a reason to kind of target individuals. Uh, because they they kind of made it seem like taxes are not a real big deal um, because, I mean, Donald Trump didn't really have to announce his taxes or anything like that. So I think a lot of people didn't right. do their taxes, and I think they're going to be paying for that here shortly. Oh, that's a good point, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you understand? This is the key. This is the key. Ladies and gentlemen, don't you realize we don't need to count how many people's on unemployment? Oh, my God. What, ladies and gentlemen, you can't see it? You actually think the IRS don't know who's getting a paycheck and who's not? We know exactly how many people are unemployed in this country. Back about what Clinton just said. Of course, POTUS already put it out in the public. You don't need to know anybody's personal taxes when that is the answer to this equation. The IRS has all the information that the American people need to know, and do you actually think the American people are told uh, that uh, the Saudis didn't pay taxes on that oil refinery? Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen. This is beyond the pale, so to speak. Uh, I mean… If the IRS would divulge all the information, they know exactly how many people are working in this country, and they know exactly um, everybody's bottom line, and they know exactly what everybody should be paying, whether personal or corporate, in taxes. Don't they? Tell me something. I wonder if… I don't know. Northrop 
I wonder if they have to claim any taxes when the Saudis buy, you know, weapons. No, really. Really. No, really. Why don't you call your senator and ask him that? Yeah, I heard we just did a great big deal. Billions of dollars that we sold, you know, probably, you know, F-22s, F-35s, Abrams, A-1s. I mean, who knows? We could have sold them one of our Seawolf attack subs. Call him and ask him, yeah, how many, how much taxes did they pay on that? Oh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> one thing is for sure. The Ten Kings don't come up with this idea by themselves, you see. The Lord their God puts it into their hearts. Now, I want everybody to take note. We're going to take special breakers, come special request from one of uh, my friends uh, in Great Britain, uh, Edgar. He wrote me a very disturbing email yesterday. Uh, it was just a bunch of British curse words uh, mingled in there left and right was something about timelines, and then he didn't say goodbye or anything, and then I scrolled down like 30 or 40 emails, and there he was again. I guess he caught his breath. He'd been so excited he was just typing a bunch, <laughs> bunch of stuff, and he wanted to hear Matthew 24, so I decided to do the Johnny Cash version with a little – Explanation point at the end for your listening enjoyment. Take note, the last seven verses here in this chapter are, of course, a grandiose explanation of the Hamsharatim in Hebrew. Ah, yes. Primus Resurrectorate. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation 
spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or, Look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, Know that it is near, at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, finds so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. 
But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour that he is not aware of, and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. When I hear that trumpet sound, I'm gonna rise right out of the ground. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. Well, look way down the river. What do you think I see? I see a band of angels And they're coming after me Ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down Well, look down yonder, Gabriel Put your feet on the land and see But Gabriel, don't you blow your trumpet Till you hear from me There ain't no grave can hold my body down Ain't no grave can hold my body down Meet me, meet me in the middle of the air And if these wings don't fail me I will meet you anywhere Ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down Well, meet me, mother and father Meet me down the river road And mama, you know that I'll be there When I check in, my Lord Ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. We'll get straight away to Brian's news. He has lots to cover. We've had lots of discussions this week about what's going on, what's unfolding right before our eyes. It's absolutely off the charts. So, Brian, jump. Uh, let's hit your news stint. I know you got a lot to cover, so jump right to it, bud. Yeah, I almost would say that's an understatement at this point, and it's it's the infamous question of where do we start? Um, you know, here at the beginning of the week, 
as I had pointed out, we had Erdogan making his moves all throughout the ancient corridors that were controlled by Yavan, the Macedonians, the Saka, the Christian Empire. Mm, I can keep going pretty much for days on end here, folks. I had basically discussed this earlier in the week with Matthew. We had been trying to determine what we needed to look at next. And I've always thrown one little tidbit out there. I mean, folks, if we like it or not, we know full well that, well, God chases after what has been. There's nothing new under the sun. That which has been is that which will be. Okay, folks, we know how important history is here. Now, we know we had a uh, appearance of the Magi at the birth of Messiah. Folks, if you stop to consider that they're also going to make their appearance before Messiah returns. Because this is the uh, reason I've brought this up multiple times, that we need to watch these regions. Between going into India, going into Pakistan, going into Afghanistan, even up into the ancient Parthian Empire, and all sorts of things. It's a nice little Middle Ages story that took place that spoke of a character that pretty much put the entire Western and Eastern Roman Empire into an absolute state of panics. And these were throughout the multiple portions of the Crusades. Now, early in the week, I had finished up a book I had started some time back that was written by, his name is now Sir Barry Cooncliffe, because they've knighted him. But nonetheless, he is one of probably the absolute best uh, archaeologists and historians out there in the modern day. And he made an interesting little observation, actually a couple interesting little observations, but I'm going to touch on one of these first. You know, some things he pointed out about those crusades. You know, he made this little comment about they would have been nothing more than a side note in history. If it was not for the fact coming up to the Fourth Crusade and where they on top of it began to storm throughout the Eastern Roman Empire, taking down the Western Roman Empire, obviously, because those were the mega flashpoints, folks. And what he states on top of it about what Francis, Pope, uh, not Pope Francis, I can't remember the name of the guy here off the top of my head, but the guy that basically launched the Crusades. You know, he had a very astute observation about the fact that at that time, the western side of the Roman Empire was facing collapse. And this French pope stood up in the midst of absolute economic hardships, the ground, they had basically been overpopulated, the pastures, everything, all the farmland, it was starting to come under great pressure, causing all sorts of pre-collapse moments. And what he decided to do to funnel off that pressure is stand up and say, folks, you storm into these holy battles and you'll be absolved. 
Now, if you can't stop and understand that what we are seeing as we speak is not any different than basically setting up to try to siphon off the uh, poorer communities and send them off into battle, I'm not certain what I can really say here because we see the same pattern repeating itself. But nonetheless, where I started from, you know, I'd stated to Matthew, we need to start watching this corridor again. And as I was pointing out, there's this infamous couple of kings that actually showed up at two different times that sent letters out to Rome. And they panicked. This guy came forward stating he was a king of a major kingdom that was descended from the Magi about three days' walk from Eden. Described the riches, the extent of his empire. And of course, as I stated, they panicked. Because an empire of this size was a mega threat to everybody concerned. They sent out delegates to try to figure out where this was. They couldn't find them. They gave one little interesting detail in there, a spice, pepper. Well, black pepper only comes from one place, and that's India, folks. So as that panic sort of slowed down because either, A, they could have them as allies to deal with all the major things that were going on. For instance, the Ottoman Empire obviously had become a major factor at this point. And not to even mention the other groups that had come into the equation throughout it because we had the Mongol invasions also coinciding with one of these letters that went out. They either had an ally or they had a major enemy on their hands, and they didn't know which. And his, his statement that they were descended from the Magi, this guy was telling the truth, folks, if we like it or not. So this is why I brought this up time and time again. We need to look for this person to arise again in history. And as we saw throughout the week here, you know, for instance, this is a uh, headline here. Pakistan welcomes Erdogan's help offer for Kashmir dispute. And between Pakistan and India, things have become so heated here over the course of the last few weeks, it is unbelievable. Making matters worse on the opposite end of Pakistan, things are heating up between Pakistan and Afghanistan. This alone is leading nowhere good and very fast. And folks, if you know anything about the history of what the Ottomans did after Germany went through this corridor into Afghanistan, Pakistan, and down into India, at first German, basically Germany tried to get all these groups to join up with them, so much so that they basically went in in costumes to appear as if they were the part of the Islamic population. Well, the Ottomans found out, and they basically pinned them in there for a great deal of time. The British general on top, or the, one of the German generals, because I believe the British, yes, the British were controlling that area at the time on top of it as well. And this helped push forward them getting expelled at a certain point, and this just caused absolute pandemonium. And now that we've had Erdogan coming in, We've had him basically flexing his muscles something fierce now. 
Uh, he goes up and he made this meeting with Pakistan, India. Like I said, I'm not certain what happened with Afghanistan, but we do know that on top of it, he went over and talked to Putin in Russia a couple days ago. Basically, the Astana talks there in Kazakhstan. And I'm going to amplify something here, folks. That was the ancient heart of the branch of Saka, of the Saka Scythian that I have pointed out time and time again. Yes, folks, they were the ancient magi. That was their homeland. And they've been holding these talks in Astana to basically break down and try to bring about a resolution for peace in Syria. And a deal was penned basically yesterday between Turkey and Iran and Russia to go in to bring about a ceasefire. And it states in there on top of it, they are going to start deploying troops to back up the ceasefire and come in and begin to occupy. Now, most of the uh, Arab world, most of the resistance inside of Syria, they literally went ballistic. Because as they stated, and it, I can't really disagree with what they said, but the fact alone that Iran is one of the chief factors in this this deal to bring about this ceasefire and set up these areas, they cannot accept this because, well, folks, we know full well what's been going on with Iran this entire time, which is also causing a chief point of contention here in the midst of this. Now, when you sit down and you look at the maps of exactly the spots that they have gone in to occupy to bring about these ceasefires, you're going to start to realize why they've done this thing. And as was brought up earlier, the One Belt, One Road, or better known as, well, it's the Silk Road. Let's just call it what it is. Okay, Astana is definitely one of the hearts of the Silk Road. It's right there on the maps in broad daylight. One of the places they are going into capture is held by a group of Syrian Kurds. And that northern tip there Iran has already secured a port of call, which they're going to use for what? It's going to be used for these trade routes. So now now the Syrian Kurds are up in arms, as they probably should be, because basically the whole factor that's been going on through the Geneva talks and everything that's been going on with Kurdistan here has basically been that they're getting their government solidified. As far as Iraq goes, it's pretty much basically little bitty talks have to continue forward to finalize the process. In Adiabene, or Erbil, because I'm going to come back to Adiabene in a couple minutes here, is where the heart is of, well, it was owned by the Assyrian Empire. It was part of the Assyrian satrapy of the Persian Empire where they were able to self-rule. And that's where the Kurdish people are setting up shop. Not only that, though, the battle that basically brought down Darius III, the last ruler of the Achaemenid Empire, started basically within eyesight view in front of what is now known as Arabil. So this place is 
very important in the scheme of things. But now you've had this move where you've got Iran, Russia, and Turkey who all have conflicting views about what is going to be done concerning Assad here. Now, that already should be catching everybody's attention because Turkey wants him removed. Russia's been kind of hopping back and forth and back and forth. They're playing some kind of very interesting little, you know, tell one guy what they want to hear, tell another what they want to hear. And it reminds me of Turkey. So now you've got this issue where on top of it, you have three opposing views that have somehow decided to come to the table and make a pact all about securing this trade route. It has everything to do with securing this trade route, everybody. So now this has become dangerous. Making matters worse now on top of it. Now we know full well as of last week, Erdogan was essentially sending out attacks basically on the uh, Turkish-Syrian border. He's been hitting the Kurds once again, um, going into Iraq, going into Syria, literally committing acts of war. And the Iraqi government is obviously furious. And the same goes with what's happening on over the border with Syria. Now, folks, we have American special forces groups on the ground who have essentially set up a shield barrier around the Kurds. Erdogan said this week, basically in a very um, smart aleck comment, you boys might want to get out of the way because if you don't, you're going to get missiles dropped on you. This ain't good. Not by any stretch of the imagination is this good. So we've had that whole element flaring up. As of earlier this morning, they already began to start going forward with the election with France. Now, it was announced in France earlier this week that Marcone, even if he wins, he's, his plan concerning the European Union is no different than his nemesis, far-right leader that's running against him. He stated flat out, irregardless of who wins, we are leaving the European Union. Germany is altogether ticked off about a slew of things. And I must say, a lot of this had been started, of course, by the meeting that happened with Trump. So now they're basically ticked off at France. They're ticked off at Trump. They're ticked off at Russia. The Brexit on top of it, they are trying to find them literally billions for leaving. Okay, so now we've got that entire portion of Gomer of the Western European nations, they're up in arms. All these ancient, not ancient, well, uh, ancient alliances as well, I would have to say, but all these alliances back to World War I, we're watching every single thing literally play itself out in absolute perfect tandem it's too ridiculous how much perfection this is playing out in. And, you know, like Matthew brought up, he probably got that question about Matthew 24 because we did cover on this in the 1917 call. And we just, we continue to see this whole pattern erupting. 
Now, making matters worse, we had a story rise um, come out from Macedonia, Greater Albania Rises. But they point out something very interesting in here, folks. About the second paragraph down, they essentially state the popular perception is that two color revolutions, which Macedonia has beaten back since 2015, were organized by the U.S. and its Soros ally in order to topple the government and thereby disrupt Russia and China's Balkan mega projects, which are planned to transit through the country. Everybody, they are just told you right here in broad daylight that all of this disruption in the Balkans has everything to do with stopping the One Belt, One Road and the Shanghai Corporation Alliance. So they're firing up Javan because of the One Belt, One Road. That's why America is going in and stirring up all this trouble. And it doesn't take long to start looking at all the reports that are coming from on the ground inside of Macedonia to see that they're not playing around, folks. If people don't remember what happened with the breakup of Yugoslavia, okay, there's mass amounts of evidence about the meddling that the CIA did during that war to cause that breakup of Yugoslavia and to cause all the absolute pandemonium that was going on there. They used the same instigators, the same players that they used to fight the Russians coming into Afghanistan during the Cold War. When that got done and started to fall apart, they turned around and shifted gears and went over there at that shield wall because that's the way that whole area is set up. There's a mountain that blocks access in, stops Russia. And they knew if they were going to keep Russia into a position of staying weak, they had to take that entire corridor. These Now, as we move forward, we see the progression of where this is led. And once again, we're at the same point again. They're trying to stop this reemergence of the Silk Road. This really begins to blow your mind. Now, Matthew made mention in the uh, beginning show blurb about what we've had happen here concerning Iran. New story had come out on May 1st. Iranian resistance shows Iran is continuing their nuclear weapons program in new locations. This news story was first released in JewishPress.com where I caught it. I'm very glad that they did what you should properly be doing anyways. They gave the actual source material so you can go straight back and look at the real source. What this ends up doing is it takes you over to a group called the National Council of Resistance of Iran. And their story that had broke out This was basically released on the 21st of April of 2017. NCRI revelation activities continue at organization responsible for work on nuclear weapons. All right, everybody, what's been going on here is they've basically got people on the ground inside of Iran 
that have essentially been collecting intelligence and passing this back throughout the Western nations and into other intelligence communities that are obviously tied in together. This is where the information has been coming from. And I guess that leads to the greater question, well, who are these guys? Well, if you go over to this ncr-iran.org and take a look around their site, you can find out about states right here in broad daylight are resistance. National Council of Resistance of Iran. The further you go down, they basically state they already have leaders in place that once the government is overthrown, the mandate is to oversee the peaceful transfer of power to the Iranian people following the regime's overthrow. So who is this group? They're also known as the People's Mujahideen of Iran, an Iranian leftist political militant organization in exile that advocates a violent overthrow of the government of Iran while claiming itself as the replacing shadow government or as we've referred to it before, like it's been known in Turkey since ancient times, the deep state. So this is altogether rather disturbing. But on top of it, as Matthew pointed out, and we missed this, folks, when it happened. Friday, 28th of October, 2016, Protest gathering of thousands of Iranians in Pascar Day, the site of the tomb of Cyrus the Great. Another article, Iran organizers of the Cyrus the Great Day were arrested at Pascar in Fars. I would advise folks that you go out and find this article. It's on NCR. The pictures that are in here, just to put it nicely, they're an exact replica of paintings that we had discovered in 2011, folks. Let me give you some biblical verses here. Isaiah 21, verse 2. I was shown a harsh vision. The traitor betrays, the destroyer destroys. Go to war, Elam. Surround them, media. I will put an end to all the groaning. The more you look at this group, you also find out, as Matthew brought up, they are part of the Baha'i faith. They follow after a person they call a prophet, Bahullah, which came along 150 years ago. It gets more unnerving the deeper you look into it. And as I stated before, folks, these people on top of it are aligned with the Kurdish people. And it states emphatically throughout a multitude of petitions that they have sent to the UN, that they have sent to the United States on a continual basis that tells you in broad daylight, we are the Kurds, we are this, we, etc., etc., etc. Let me draw everybody's attention back into ancient history. When Darius the Great seized that throne, actually killing on top of it the actual king that was descended from Cyrus the Great, 
or the king of Anshan, which is Elam. He came in and killed his son. And then on top of it, he tried to make it look like he was slaughtering a magi pretender instead. It was a nice little cute story. But the problem was, is obviously most of the historians, even then taking note of it, knew something was fishy. Even Herodotus, you can see it in broad daylight, that something didn't add up. Because this is, again, where we end up dealing with those that were in working with the Chaldean at the time when Daniel was there. Because remember, folks, not only were the Magi listed, there was a whole other group listed with them. Darius the Great went out of his way to make sure that he came in and pretty much started removing this entire hierarchy. And then that's where they brought in their infamous Megoe that were nothing more than, well, we've seen what's happened in times past when the religious orders are allowed to rule over the kingship. Because that's essentially what those magi were. They're not the same magi that are mentioned in the book of Daniel, nor are they the same magi that show up at the birth of Messiah. No, folks, this was an entirely entirely different thing. And for instance, let me give you an example here again. Even if you go in... As I've pointed out many times in the past, you were looking at the Saka. In the Bible, they are known as Ashkenaz. Basically, the Assyrians called them the Ashkuzi or the Askuzi. Basically, they told you in broad daylight they were Ashkenaz. Now, everybody has heard about the infamous fire altars that they attribute to the Zoroastrians, etc. But take note of the meaning of Ashkenaz. A man as sprinkled. Fire as scattered. Now, let's go back over and consider what I brought up before. Josephus records a sudden eastern attack on Parthia, which occurred in AD 55. It came at the time when the Parthian king, Volgasi, had taken his army westward into Assyria to attack a small subject kingdom called Adiabene. That's modern-day herbal, everybody. That had defied his authority. But Volgaes prepared to attack. Adiabene, he received reports that the eastern frontier of his empire was being plundered by mounted invaders who Josephus described as the Sake, the Saka. It was said that this nation despised the Parthian king and had been joined by other steppe forces known as the Dahai, who inhabited the lands to the east of the Caspian Sea. Bulgays was able to repel the Cushion-led invaders because the Cushion power was a mega power player in that time, folks. The extremity of their empire was utterly unbelievable. And a little side note, there was a whole lot of descendants of Yizban scattered all throughout that region. In other words, the Macedonians. 
But the Parthian prestige was damaged by the incident. This episode demonstrated how the Parthian Empire found it difficult to conduct wars fought simultaneously on more than one frontier. Now, let us look over here at Jeremiah 51, verse 27, very quickly. See, this is uh, a chapter that many of the commentators throughout the years have been extremely baffled by because they realize that you have so many historical layers on top of historical layers as if it's telling you basically what you're seeing happen right now, folks, in broad daylight. Jeremiah 51. We're just going to bring this in for a second, though. Lift up a signal in the land. Blow a trumpet among the nations. Consecrate the nations against her. Summon against her the kingdoms of Arat, Mini, and Ashkenaz. Appoint a marshal against her. Bring up the horses like bristly locusts. So we know full well that they've already moved into this mix, everybody. And they have been part of retaking Mosul. We basically did a program on Inherent Resolve some time back that's up on the Bands of Time videos on YouTube. But let us flow back over and once again amplify this thing that's happening here in Iran. Let's see here. We had this released yesterday. House launches probe in a claim Obama hurt national security to seal Iran deal. Uh, where else here? Trump's itinerary shows bid for coalition to back peace, tackle Iran, fight terrorism. A lot of his railing, folks, it's going on while he's going through the Arab nations first and handing a whole bunch of weapon contracts over to him. That's the entire purpose. On top of it, as he goes along and meets with the Palestinians, then when he shows up a day before the 50th anniversary of the retaking of the Temple Mount, he's also trying to solidify peace arrangement in Israel. States emphatically right here in this article from the Times of Israel, his main thing that he's attempting to do at this point is deal with Iran. And as many times as we brought up Iran here now, things about to blow sky high. And folks, when you have a group organizing behind Cyrus the Great, this should really rattle your cage. Because if we look at what Cyrus the Great represented, and then we look at the shadow and the silhouette, in other words, the opposite extreme. Everybody, I stated emphatically that we are going to see the second set of forces arise. This is getting extremely serious. And, well, this is sighting number two. And I'm going to let Matthew jump back in here. Or Clinton, whichever one of you well, wants Brian, to go. Well, Brian, 
I just wanted to say this. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we've had just this week that Russia accused NATO and the EU and Albania of meddling in Macedonia. And Sputnik News this week, this was the headline, Macedonia, a greater Albania rises. They're... Here we go. Why would we want to meddle here in Macedonian affairs? It's off the charts. This has got everything to do with, well, the One Belt Run Road because it goes right through this region, of course, north from Istanbul. So this is all getting very complicated, and it's getting to be a quagmire to say the least. <clears throat> so that's why we let me interject have something ramping. real. Let me interject something okay. here real fast so I don't forget. Um, you know, let me explain on top of me here too, folks. The Assyrian has his own set, his own set of magi. That once again are the polar opposite of the magi that appeared at the time of the birth of Messiah. So it's very important that you understand, folks, that this second set of forces. This is that polar opposite of those magi with him. If you understand what happened during the time of Chinggis Khan when he began his expansion of his empire, he used those shaman, those Bariat shaman that were with him. Okay, the, they were obviously an unstoppable force militarily as is, but there was a lot more to it because those shaman also were stirring up dark forces that went alongside them in battle, a.k.a. they were using the demonic realm to augment what they were doing. And this is what we're seeing is going to be moving into place here along with this next set of forces. Well, yeah, well, that's something we needed to talk about because... Uh, Historically speaking, we found it. Um, you know, this this week I had a lot of a lot to do with. Well, I skyped with David Rule this week to got to acquire Exodus Pharaoh, and the next, of course, Hyksos Pharaoh. He was more than happy to send it to me. So we've got a lot of work to do, covering exactly what the Bible says is going to happen and. Brian's just been doing so much work in archaeology and archaeogenetics. It, it's right, it's staring you right in the face uh, what's going on there in the scripture, just absolutely off the charts. Um, and <clears throat> with all that being said, uh, let me get Clinton's take on it before I take over uh, <laughs> and don't give him – any room to breathe there. So, Clinton, what's your what's your thoughts on how this is working up? I know that you did uh, a podcast this week about this Middle East peace process and everything going on in this region. And now, once again, the world at large is 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 talking about you know accusing us of meddling. Well, not accusing us. They obviously know what they're talking about. We're meddling in Macedonian affairs. And something else on top of this, uh, 
um, that nobody has covered yet. Uh, but the deep state was active this past week because this is literally uh, the headline. Mysterious crime in Istanbul. Iranian TV executive and Kuwaiti businessman killed. Uh, in Turkey, the Iranian founder of a Farsi-language satellite television network was shot dead in Istanbul alongside a Kuwaiti business partner, Turkish media reported Sunday, just months after reportedly being convicted of spreading propaganda against the Islamic Republic. Now, nobody said anything about this, and I also want to uh, get Clinton's take on this because – Nobody has mentioned it yet, but what does this mean about this no-fly zone? Really? Really, what what does it mean? This is CBS News. Russia says U.S. coalition banned from Syria de-escalation zones under no-flying deal with Iran and Turkey. Okay, I didn't understand what just happened, but anyway, let me read this first paragraph. It's straight out of Beirut. Russia, Iran, and Turkey agreed to establish de-escalation zones in Syria, signing on to a Russian plan under which uh, President Bashar al-Assad's air force would halt flights over designated areas across the war-torn country. Now, the last I heard, Iran is public enemy number one. Turkey's in NATO. And Russia is our opposing superpower. Okay, why are all of our, well, I guess two of our enemies and one of our fellow NATO members uh, signing agreements for U.S. no-fly zones? What, Clinton, what's, what's your take on this mess and everything that, that Brian brought up? Yeah, not a problem. I mean, he, he brought up quite a bit of stuff, and, and I wanted to touch on the Pakistani-India uh, um, issue, I guess you could say. Um, there's one little tidbit, and came out of the Washington Post, that Pakistan is having a, a rise of um, Islamic fighters, um, mostly ISIS, that is starting to strengthen in Pakistan. Now, the, the, the reason that's important is not only do we have ISIS, you know, that's causing issues in Syria and Iraq— but if they get a stronghold in Pakistan, Pakistan and India hate each other. Uh, they've hated each other, you know, over Kashmir for a long, long time. And there's, they're both nuclear powers. So if ISIS instigates anything with India, which they've been kind of battling back and forth already, there's a strong possibility that could go up in flames very quickly. Now, when it comes to this whole treaty and, and, process in the Middle East, um, you know, there's just a, a quote from Donald Trump, uh, because, you know, this uh, peace treaty in the Middle East is super, super easy. Um, so a quote from him is, uh, we want to create peace between Israel and the Palestines. Uh, we will get it done. We'll be working so hard to get it done. It's been a long time, but we will be working diligently. I think there is a very, very good chance. I think you feel the same way. I mean, you know, it's very eloquently put, I guess you could say, on uh, uh, how the peace process is very simple. Now, there was an interesting little tidbit that uh, Donald Trump all of a sudden said uh, the leader of North Korea was a smart cookie and that he'd be honored to meet with him. But that was only after 
he made a comment against Israel. And this is one of the, the big kind of topics coming up is, according to North Korea, and according to the international community, Israel should not have nukes. Um, they, they signed an agreement back in the day to uh, basically mean that they would not be the first to bring nukes into the Middle East. Now, it's been known throughout the international community that Israel has nukes, but no one's officially said that they have nukes. Well, North Korea called them on their bluff and basically said, okay, you don't like us having nukes. Well, you allow Israel to have nukes. Israel should not have them under the international community. Plus, Israel has destabilized the entire region. So we haven't done that. So Israel is more of a bad guy than North Korea is what they're saying. Well, this is very smart um, because now it throws the whole um, Israeli nuclear issue into the quagmire of what is developing with North Korea. We cannot necessarily attack North Korea and say that they are the bad guy and they shouldn't have nukes when Israel is the same exact scenario. Now, this could be used against Israel drastically. We, we know that the UN came out and basically said that Israel has no claims to Jerusalem, period. That Jerusalem is an international city to where it's uh, valued by Christians, Jews, and Muslims equally. Um, they also keep pushing the institution of the eastern half of Jerusalem being given to the nation of Palestine, along with the pre-existing uh, borders of the 1967 war. Um, Donald Trump has even come out and said that that is what he agrees upon is those pre-borders. Pre and also he wants the, the full city of Jerusalem, but everyone else is pushing for the eastern half. So this is where it gets very interesting, because when you look at the city of Jerusalem and you look at the most important part of Jerusalem, it lies in the eastern half of the city, which is to be given to Palestine, according to what the international community is talking about. Now, that most important part is, well, where Solomon's temple is to be built, where the Dome of the Rock currently lies. So if they are going to push this agenda to have a peace treaty, which, according to Donald Trump, and him meeting with uh, Mahmoud Abbas uh, here this last week, um, they are going to get a deal done. And it may be something that he pushes for in his most recent visit that he's going to have in the Middle East, where he announced that he's going to be traveling to Saudi Arabia, then to Israel, then to the Vatican. Now, when he is in Israel, it's supposed to be around May 22nd, and it's going to be right around the time of uh, the 50th anniversary of the um, of Israel taking control of the eastern half of the city. And it's speculated that Donald Trump is going to um, actually do what presidents said they were going to do since 93, which is actually back Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. This is on the, the books we talked about last week, that every six months they extend this. Well, it's speculated that Donald Trump is actually going to do this. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see if this nuclear issue fits into place, because if they come out and they try working on a peace treaty, the only way that Israel would even consider acknowledging they have nukes, let alone giving them up, is if they're able to get the Temple Mount and destroy the Dome of the Rock to build you know, the temple, build Solomon's temple. That is a possibility in light with what's going on. And there was also something that was very interesting is, is Hamas. 
the, the terrorist group that has vowed to destroy Israel from their institution. I think it was in their founding documents that say they came to destroy the city or the, the nation of Israel. Hamas has come out and said they back a two-state solution and back the eastern half of, of Jerusalem given to Palestine and that they would actually stop attacking Israel, you know, to go along with this. So it's interesting when the terrorist groups are allowing this to happen and that we have this development happening and then we have Donald Trump and Putin talking about meeting together in July to work on the North Korea issue, the Syria issue, the Israeli issue, all of these issues coming together. So it's, it's really putting everything into play. And then just one little side note that I wanted to bring up is that we recently had a 6.2 earthquake up, in, uh, up by Alaska, up in Canada, in that area. Now, shortly after that, we've had hundreds and hundreds of aftershocks. Um, but they've been very, very shallow. And what we're finding out is that that area used to be covered in icebergs. You know, it's covered in ice. So it's been covered in ice for thousands of years, which weighted down the crust and pushed it down. Well, now that ice is gone. So the theory is now the crust is actually moving to compensate for the weight that's been removed off of the surface, which is causing all these earthquakes to happen up in the area which unfortunately is very close to the Cascadia, which a lot of people have speculated the Cascadia would be an earthquake that we would all see coming and all experience and it would affect everyone's lives. So this is something we need to watch up in Alaska to see how these earthquakes are are growing from there. But we also need to look at what's going on with this treaty in Israel. Now, when it comes to Iran, it has been told that the only way for Israel to get to Iran is through North Korea. And because of the alliance that they have and because of North Korea's ties with China, Russia, and how everything is tied. Now that North Korea has actually gone against Israel and Israel's being pushed into a corner by the international community, it's going to be very, very interesting to see if they allow Iran to expand their nuclear program and, and continue to put troops in Syria, if they allow North Korea to blasphemy the name in the international community and say that they're equivalent to Israel, or are they going to stand firm and defend themselves? And this is going to be very, very interesting to see coming together if Israel takes that stance or what happens when Trump comes to visit them at the end of May. That's an understatement. You just nailed it. You just you just nailed it. <laughs> what's what's going on here? But okay, what are we down to? We're down to two minutes twelve seconds. That's that's just great. I do want to cover this because Clinton's uh, covered that. I get to at least cover one news, gentlemen. This came out on the big wobble, of course, from Gary. Uh, Friday, May fifth. It can't be possible. It's reminiscent of a stock market crash. It's unheard of in more than 100 years. It's a huge anomaly. Major quakes down by more than 50% in 2017. Now, when you look at it, there was a huge spike, of course, from 2010 to 2011. So it spiked. Major earthquakes was stood at 115. Well, all of a sudden, the first quarter of 2017 – it's decreased over 50%. Now, 
there hasn't been a drop a drop like this in the last 117 years, ladies and gentlemen. Major earthquakes have been in, have been on the increase by 400 percent since the 1900s. So, ladies and gentlemen, when you look at this, don't you realize? Uh, let me say it again. It peaked. In 2011, with 115 major earthquakes, so far this year we've only had 25. Ladies and gentlemen, that's seven years. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, don't you understand that it is the false labor pains that come first, and once they're done, it's game on. Now… I strongly suggest that everybody uh, take a look at the article I just did. And we need to get Brian on here for final comments. Uh, Brian, you know, we've got well, we've got 15 minutes in overdrive, so uh, you've got 15 minutes to say your piece before we go. Jump in here and do something. Well, I'm hoping I can do that a little bit quicker than that. Uh, point out quickly here. First, Clinton nailed a whole lot of things right on the head for certain. And I'm glad he brought up what's going on with India and Pakistan because, folks, that is key critical to understand. Okay, those two in a conflict is not going to be good for anybody. They are both <laughs> they're in possession of nukes. And on top of it now, you're getting Pakistan pressed from Afghanistan. That whole corridor is one that if we neglect, we're going to miss some very important details. That whole corridor was crucially important to Alexander the Great. That whole corridor, even going up into China, Bactria, Sogdia, all those ancient nations, and they even uprooted some of them and put them into China. Folks, Yavan is in a whole lot more places than just modern-day Macedonia. And they are still to this day spread all throughout the eastern corridor of this Silk Road. Now, there's a major piece that we cannot leave unsaid. The UNESCO resolution that was signed into place as of Friday, it was passed earlier in the week, it was signed into effect Friday, declaring that Jerusalem nor Israel belongs to the Israeli people any longer whatsoever. It only belongs to the Palestinians, and they are an occupying force. Now, take note of the fact, everybody, that the ones that put this bill into place were all Arabian nations throughout North Africa, stretching around into varied other places. And then on top of it, what happened here? Trump just walked in and armed the Arabian people, believable technology, and a massive amount of it. And he's going to walk in and create peace? Oh, I don't know about that. Everybody, you might want to go back and study Psalm 83 rather extensively because this has turned into the absolute perfect, perfect trap. With the saber rattling on top of it here that's going on with Iran, folks, 
they've got a wild card up their sleeve, and that's why I amplified what is happening here with this resistance group. Okay, everybody, we have counted. The Paul V. Dynasty, before it went down, he held a ceremony doing, again, the same thing with Cyrus the Great. Then the Ayatollah Khomeini came in and set up his ruling body. It's the exact same count of presidents that had the exact same assassinations, um, little leaders that only lasted for a couple days, thing that happened in the ancient Achaemenid Empire. This president that's about to be elected in will be exactly equal to the number that was equal to Darius the third. There's no way that's coincidence. And we have this entire coalition that's sitting there ready to grab the helm. This is quite dangerous. And with all this saber rattling concerning Iran, getting pretty fierce. Folks, that he goat is moving into place. But on top of it, I'm going to touch back here on Korea quickly. That was very key critical that this was brought up, and we need to amplify something else here, folks. A lot of what we're seeing going on here in the diplomatic row is nothing more than corporate wheeling and dealing. Everybody think back to when we had the American naval vessels come from Kittim, from Crete. I mean, I'm sorry, not Crete, from Cyprus. And all of a sudden, just start raining Tomahawk missiles in. Everybody, you do realize that Trump was in meetings with China the very day while he was sitting at the table basically giving the order. Okay, they've managed to, let's just say that those, uh, what do you call it, the ties between the United States and China, I don't think they're near as bad as everybody thinks they are because they've gotten into good standing. So here's the key critical question. How much of a threat is Korea to this uh, new Silk Road? You know, Matthew asked me an interesting question sometime back to take a look into a certain um, people group. And to break it down about as nicely as you could, basically in China, while they were dealing with the Huns on multiple fronts, there was a whole major group of them that were brought in to China, into northern China, that were being paid ridiculous amounts of tribute to basically protect China. These very Hun kings had married in the Chinese. They sent people back and forth amongst them, and you had this group of people appear. Well, folks, the historians, this one is very difficult to trace, but from the work that has been done, it's those very same descendants, those very same people that have ended up in Korea. So what that tells me is we have descendants tied into the ancient, and the Chinese, they know them as the Hanu. We know them as the Huns. Okay, the Huns were instrumental in bringing down the Western Roman Empire. They stayed in there until they had an absolute coup d'etat and toppled that last leader. But now on top of it, we've got descendants down there in Korea. So what kind of threat is that to this big corporate entity they've created now? Because I think that's going to be the key to understanding what happened here in Korea. Now, folks, you need to take note of something else here, too. They arrested an academic 
a teacher inside of Korea. And then they started basically stating the CIA sent somebody to come in and take out the leader of North Korea. Folks, you might want to look into who they use for their intelligence agents because they use teachers, ministers, very religious leaders to come in on missionary moves or come in as teachers. I'm not so certain that the North Korean leader is making up what he's saying because I know how the CIA does what they do. And that's pretty much right there. I'm going to leave it at that. You guys get in here for the last few minutes. All right, Clinton, jump in, closing comments, and then say goodbye. And don't forget to tell everybody where they can find your work. Yeah, I wanted to say one quick thing about the no-fly zones. I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, Just in the words of Hillary Clinton, um, when no-fly zones are put in place, it's basically just uh, the precursor to war. Um, you're basically putting a, a boundary in place that says if someone crosses it, you're going to shoot them down, and it's going to happen. So you're going to see some kind of infighting because that's just what happens. Um, the other thing is with Turkey, um, there's a lot of cleansing that's going on. Um, the assassination of the Iranian businessman may be associated to that, but we have hundreds of uh, you know people within the the government or within the uh, workforce that are being arrested, uh, judges, politicians, you know, businessmen uh, associated to the coup and everything else, uh, a grand cleansing. And I, I just want to remind people that uh, uh, President Trump said that he was going to drain the swamp as well. So watch what's happening in Turkey, because there's a strong possibility that may extend into the United States as well. Um, you know, thanks for having us on here. Uh, best way to find uh, me is uh, on my website, clintoncowatch.com. My last name is spelled K-O-W-A-C-H. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter, uh, where all the articles that we talk about are posted on there as well. Uh, same handle, just my name, Clinton Co-Watch. Um, thank you again, and, and may God guide you guys on your journey. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't cut, get to cover half of what I wanted to cover, but Clinton did mention um, the glacier melt we've had um, this past week. We had a major river dry up in a matter of, I think it was four days, it was completely gone in Canada. I do want to mention this. Ladies and gentlemen, if you go back to the Hapgood crustal displacement theory, you might want to take note that in the final analysis, it was determined that the location of the groundwater is what bears the most weight on this planet. And like I said, uh, why have the earthquake suddenly crashed? Ladies and gentlemen, I, I hope you understand the principle of the birth pains. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed.